There are um, not many things that will uh, bring someone to tears. But when you start thinking about where you were and where God's brought you to, that will bring tears into your eyes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hunter, thank you for that this evening. Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter number 3. And as we lay a, bit, a little bit of a foundation for what has taken place this morning, we will just kind of recap a little bit and then bring you forward and close out this evening. So we may be a little quicker this evening uh, due to us covering so much this morning. But in Acts chapter number 3, Acts chapter number 2, as you back up, you see 3,000 souls and some added to the church. And as you, you begin to see what's taking place there, there was a desire for the Word of God, a hungering for God's Word. Acts chapter number 3, as you come into uh, that chapter, you see that Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And we looked at that, the priority of prayer, the priority of praise, the priority of power, the priority of the disciples and what they were doing and the importance of what's taking place in chapter number 3. In chapter number 3, you come to verse number 3, and the Bible says, "...who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms, speaking of the lame man here, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk." And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Now we'll come back to chapter number 3, verse number 12 here in a few moments, but as we continue to lay that foundation of what's taking place, we understand that this man was lame. Uh, we dealt with this a little bit, but it, it gives that picture of every single one of us, us being lame. The Bible says in Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We needed a Savior. And we see that picture here. He was lame from birth. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We dealt with the fact that he was lame and limited, it limited his happiness, it limited his health, it limited his lifestyle. And sin does just that. If tonight you have found yourself living in sin and you know that you're living in sin and you've put on the brave face, you've put on the, the smile as you walk into the house of God and you've got maybe your church family or maybe you've got folks in your family uh, and your friends and your co-workers all fooled, can I share with you this morning and, or this evening that God is not fooled. He knows exactly where every single one of us is at tonight. And one of the things that we come to realize is that oftentimes when we are living in sin and all of that is limited, that happiness, we don't like to be around happy people. We made reference to that this morning. If you're ill, you don't want someone trying to cheer you up. And I remember we were at church just a, uh, a couple of months ago, and I can't remember uh, what the exact words, but um, I remember Holly and Paisley were playing together. And they were walking around the church, and they had their, what the, I believe they called their pouty faces on and are there grumpy faces or whatever? And, and I can't remember. I think Miss Megan said something to, to Paisley, and Paisley said something along the lines of, I'm grumpy. I'm just grumpy. And she was walking around just grumpy. I can't remember what, what it was. It was something along those lines. She was walking like that, and she's just walking like this and had that grumpy face on. 
And it was, it was kind of what ended up being. It wasn't for any purpose. They just decided that moment to be grumpy. And you know this. Sometimes whenever we just wake up, what we would say, on the wrong side of the bed, you don't want to be around cheerful people. It's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> Some of y'all aren't saying amen, but deep inside I know that amen's wanting to burst out. And sin will, will hinder your happiness. And, and, and it just it, it drives you crazy to see people happy. And all of a sudden you become critical. Uh, you begin to, to complain. You begin to, to get annoyed with people in general. And it limits that happiness. But let me just say this. When you find Jesus, man, how things turn around. This man found Jesus. He, he came looking for a coin and found a cure. It limits his health. We see that here in this portion of Scripture. And when you begin to think about all of those things, it's limited, the limited lifestyle. Take your Bibles for just a moment. I want you to notice a couple of portions of Scripture that deal with this to help you to get a, a true understanding of what's going on. In Proverbs, if you would, turn to Proverbs and hold your place in chapter number 5. And then also holding your place in Proverbs, hold your place in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And in these portions of Scripture, you'll begin to see a reference being made. And I want to point you to a couple of words that are found in those verses there that really take things to help us to understand uh, how sin deals with us and how it affects our lives. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, holding your place in Proverbs chapter number 5, we'll work our way back to Acts chapter number 3 here in a few moments. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 26, and they that may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. This word taken here that is found in chapter number 2 of 2 Timothy, that word taken there, taken captive, speaks of to be captured, to be trapped, to be seized, if you would. If I were to, how many of you would say that you are claustrophobic? You don't do well if you get tied up into something or if you're locked in a, a room. Let me see them hands for just a moment. Let me just describe what this picture is right here for just a moment. If you were, for just a moment, it pictures someone who is, who is walking and all of a sudden they fall into a trap and that trap is a net and they get all entangled in that net and they cannot get themselves out of it. Sin does just that. Sin will hold you and you begin to wonder, why am I so miserable? Because sin always makes someone miserable. It doesn't matter the, the intentions of the, the, the person or the, the, the desire. It's the sin that holds you captive and it brings destruction to your life. It pictures one who has been caught in a net. Proverbs chapter number 5, turning over there, verse number 22, it says, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Now this verse right here, that word holden, speaks of to grasp, to seize, if you would. It speaks of one who cannot make better of their living or their decisions because they're addicted to those things. That word holden, they can't shake it, if you would. Now some of you have family members, some of you have friends, some of you have people you grew up with that have become so addicted to something that they cannot get away from it. And you know the reactions, you know how it is, you can see it in their face whenever they're, they're asking for help or they're asking for something and you can see the destruction in their eyes and the pain in their eyes because they want to run from that addiction, but they just cannot get away from it. They can't shake it if you would. The word cord here, it says, and he shall be holding with the cords of his sin, it speaks of, that word cord speaks of the pain, the sorrow, the destruction. Can I share with you, sin will always leave scars that, that bring back some haunting memories, if you would. Sin, it's been said many times, it paints a pretty picture, but it's never pretty. It looks good, but when the reality hits, it's not what it once looked like. 
And as you begin to think about this lame man and the picture that we see here, as you go back to Acts chapter number 3, you begin to see that this lame man pictures exactly that. And as the Bible says in verse number 3, he's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Oh, he was expecting to to receive a coin or, or something. And Peter says, Hey, I have no silver, I have no gold. But what I do have will forever change your life. And as you can picture this morning, as we had Jacob come and sit down, and the eyes fastening that word, fastening again, it's intense. Uh, it's without wavering, it's unwavering, it's without shaking. You can't, it, I mean, it, it literally looks as though you're just, you're looking through someone, if you would. And Peter looking at him, in verse number 5, the Bible says, And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have... Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, some of you this morning and tonight, as you think about people in your lives, some of you know somebody who is hurting. Some of you know somebody who is broken. Some of you know somebody who is lost. Some of you know somebody who is battling something, and you begin to think about that person. And you see, the world wants us to believe that there's no hope. The world wants people to believe that, man, there's no cure. There's there's nothing that can bring that joy that you're looking for. There's nothing that can bring those circumstances to a better place. There's nothing that can help you in your current state. But Peter and John end up revealing this in verse number 11, as the Bible says, And the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering... And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look so ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power and holiness we, made, we had made this man to walk? You see, this morning, we looked at this portion of Scripture, and tonight as we come back, tonight you may be hurting. Can I share with you that Jesus alone brings the comfort that you're looking for? And some of you may be going through something and Jesus alone is the power that can take care of that situation. You may have found yourself miserable. Jesus alone brings the joy that you're looking for and longing for. You may be sitting there tonight and you say, there's no hope, I'm I'm lost and God couldn't save a sinner like me. Can I share with you? Yes, He can. Jesus alone can save you. And this evening, as we look at this portion of Scripture and we think about all of what's taking place here, we come to these verses and this is where we close tonight. In verse number 12, Peter had his shot. I mean, he, he told a man, rise up and walk. The people are sitting there wondering, what in the world is taking place? As we had Jacob there, I said, rise up and walk. That man stood up, he walked, and all of a sudden he begins to leap, and all of a sudden he gets his attention, what's just taking place. It didn't just get the lame man's attention, it got other people's attention. They begin to marvel. This is, this is Peter's one shot to say, look what I've just done. Hey, watch me, if you would. Uh, Watch what I'm capable of doing. Hey, let me get a a gathering. Let me get a following here now. But that's not what Peter does. You see, everyone in this situation, in this story, rightfully so, was so focused on the blessing. And Peter says, very simply, and and I can imagine Peter thinking, man, this this lame man's been blessed, no doubt about it. Born lame. He leaps, he's wondering, he's praising God. But now, Peter takes this opportunity to take all the the focus off the blessing and point to the blesser. Notice what he says here in verse number 12. The Bible says, And when Peter saw, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? 
Well, why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. You fast forward on down, it says right here in verse number 17. It says, Now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, and also your, did your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of his prophets that Christ should suffer, hath, he hath so fulfilled. Verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Tonight I ask this question. We see two things that Peter does here. But I ask this question, are you more thankful for the blessing or the blesser? Now I believe it's a, it's a great thing to thank God for the blessings that He has done. But can I share with you that in our modern day Christianity, far too often, all we do is acknowledge the blessings of God without acknowledging God Himself. And there are many people in our society who will say, hey, you can rejoice in all that you have, but don't you dare give credit to God. I remember, I remember talking and thinking about this as we were watching an interview taking place, and you know how people that truly hate God just hate God. I remember we were watching an interview on YouTube, and there was someone who was talking, and this is even something that you see in our, our sports, in our media, and today, and people will talk about how they're thankful for their, their Lord right after a game and things like that. And, and I remember watching an interview one time, and this was not a sports interview. I can't remember what it was, but there was an interview taking place, and there was someone who had basically, it was a miracle what they were, they were standing. They were standing as a miracle pretty much. And the interview was taking place, and I remember listening to this interview, and after the interview had taken place, and someone said, I just want to thank God. And, and in this interview, the person says, well, now why do you have to go and do that? Why, why do you have to go and ruin this moment by giving God praise? You say, wow, that's our world today. Now, you can sit here and you can talk about the, 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 the family you have. You can sit here and if you are a walking miracle based upon cancer, surviving some tragedy alone, you can, you can talk about that, but don't you dare give God credit. That's the world we live in today. But in this portion of Scripture, Peter does just exactly that. In chapter number 3, you see, number 1, Peter's deflection is found here. In verses 11 and 12, Peter doesn't say, hey, look at what I've done. Matter of fact, in verse number 12, he says, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the, the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? Peter says, hey, it wasn't Peter's power. Hey, it wasn't Peter's holiness. If it was Peter's power, this man would still be lame. If it was Peter's holiness, this man would still be lame. It wasn't anything I did. It was God Almighty. It was the Lord. And he begins to deflect and say, hey, it wasn't me. It's nothing I have done. As you begin to think about this portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You think about this, and, and man, the things that you're able to accomplish, it's nothing you've done. It's only by the grace of God. This evening, if you're able to serve, it's nothing that you bring to the table except a yielded life. You say, well, I have, the, I have all the talent. No, 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 God can take that talent just as quickly as he gave it to you. 
You say, well, I have all the ability. No, 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 all that ability is not yours. It's God. It's God's ability that He's just granted to your life for a season. You think about Peter here. Peter had his chance to kind of say, hey, look what I've done. But Peter says, no, no. Let's get all the eyes of, off the blessing for just a moment. Let's start talking about the blessed servant. And he goes and he says in verse number 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up. Can I share with you for just a moment? Number two, not only do we see Peter's deflection, but we see Peter's decision here is very clear. What does Peter do? He goes in and he starts preaching. He starts preaching the gospel, matter of fact. And Peter goes on to say, hey, repent and be converted. He goes on to begin to, to lay out what has just taken place in their lives and what they've experienced. You see, in verse number 13, he says, The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son. Notice what he says right here. It's, it's almost as though it's a little, a little jab. Uh, it's kind of like those, those times whenever a brother or a sister is fighting and that brother or sister is, is arguing over something that the, the brother wants now just because the sister has it. And it's kind of one of those, I heard a lot of mm-hmm right there. Uh, it's kind of one of those situations where, no, 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 you said you didn't want it, now it's mine. It's a little, little subtle jab. Notice what he says right here in verse number 13. Whom ye delivered up. Let me just, Peter, Peter goes on saying, hey, the, the God that did all this work is the one that you said you didn't want anything to do with. Hey, it's the one that you delivered up, if you would. It's the one that you said, hey, I get him away. It's the one that you cast away, and it says, and denied him in the presence of Pilate. Peter does this as though to cause the attention to think on these things. It's to, to get them to think, man, what have we done? Uh, this lame man, you're saying, it wasn't your power, Peter. It wasn't your holiness. It was the holiness of God that you're speaking of. The God that we delivered up, the God that we didn't want anything to do with. Peter's decision was very simply to preach to them that they denied Jesus, but now they're acknowledging his miracle. There are a lot of people that deny Jesus but like to acknowledge the miracles, don't they? And can I share with you this evening, as you look at this portion of Scripture, Peter begins to go on and deal with them concerning all this. And he begins to deal with, with what they have done and what they have caused in verse number 14. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And again, going back to that illustration of that brother and sister, let's just, for just a moment, that brother and sister, they're arguing over a lollipop that the brother didn't want, but now the sister's got it and now the brother wants it. I want that lollipop, but you didn't want it. And so the brother's upset. What's the sister going to do? Man, this is the best lollipop I've ever had. Whew, you're missing out over here. I can't believe you didn't want this one. You know, picking at each other. Today we were getting in the car, and uh, Holly is the biggest picker in the entire world. She will pick at Jackson. She will pick at her, her cousin's. And so we were, I, I brought Jackson, Holly, and Eli to church this morning. And so Jackson and Holly were going to sit in the far back in boosters, and Eli was going to sit in what is considered a car seat. Heaven forbid, you know, I mean, it's just, you know. And so I said, all right, Eli, you're going to sit in Holly's car seat, and uh, it's pink and blue, but just, you're going to sit in that. Holly, Jackson, you guys are going to sit in the boosters in the far back. And, uh, and so Holly's standing there, and she goes, Hey, Eli, you're going to sit in my car seat. I'm going to sit in the big girl booster. And I said, girl, I said, get your tail in the van right now. Pick him. I mean, just, just trying to drive a little further. And he goes on in verse number 14. It just gets, it builds on itself. But ye denied the holy one. And the just. 
and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. One of my favorite stories that may be top three favorite stories is the, the story of Peter's denial. Peter is told, Peter, you're going to deny me. Three times. No, Lord, I would, I would die for you. I'll, I'll fight for you. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And what happens? He denies him three times. The cock crows three times. And Peter goes off and he begins to sulk. He begins to, to, to weep. He begins to, I mean, he's struggling with this. And when you fast forward and all of a sudden they come and they say, go tell my disciples and Peter. And what a picture of grace there is. There's a group of, of guys who put out skits, and it's probably one of my favorite skits. I showed it in uh, a class a couple of years ago, but it's a skit that some guys put on, and they're, they're trying to get people to visually see what's taking place here. And Peter is standing there, and he's communing, and he's talking with the Lord there. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, and he goes on, and he uses that illustration, feed my, feed my, feed my. And in this skit that they're putting on, they, they, they begin to illustrate what it must have been like for Peter to experience that grace as he's recalling those times when he denied the Lord three times. And in the skit, Peter looks at Jesus and says, no, 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 I don't deserve that grace. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve a second chance. I don't deserve all these things. And the, the individual that is portraying Jesus in this skit looks at Peter and says, Peter, that's grace. Nobody deserves grace. That's grace. And it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I love thinking about that because, man, the grace of God is just overwhelming. You can't fathom it. In Peter's decision, he's trying to get these, under, these people to understand. He says in verse number 14, Ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted. But he goes on to give a message of grace. Verse number 19. He says, Repent ye therefore and be converted. You see, Peter goes on, he, he acknowledges that they denied Jesus, but acknowledged his miracle. But now they have to endure Peter's preaching of the gospel. And he says, repent, be converted, enjoy times of refreshing. Peter calls on the people to change their minds on who Jesus was. Peter calls on the, the people to, to blot out their sins. This statement right here in verse number 19, as it says, repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And that statement, blot out sins, is taken from the practice of creditors charging their debtors, and when the debt is paid, canceling it or removing it from their record. What a blessing. The statement, enjoy times of refreshing, speaks of the blessings of salvation. But all of this is summarized because Peter takes the opportunity to say, no, 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 it wasn't anything I did. Let's get your eyes off the blessing for a few moments. Because if it wasn't for the blesser, the blessing wouldn't have happened. Can I share with you this, this evening, and I close with this, as I was holding that little baby boy in the hospital, and I began to think, man, what a blessing he is. I was reminded that if it wasn't for the blesser, the blessing might not have even come. There's some things that you've been able to experience in your life, some blessings. Can I share with you, be thankful for those blessings, but never take for granted the blesser. This evening, I asked the question, are you more thankful for the blessing or the blesser? It's easy to say, man, what a blessing this is. That's true. Rightfully so. Thank God for the blessing. But simply put, thank God simply for who He is as well. Be thankful for the blesser this evening. Are you more thankful for the blessing 
or for the blesser. Peter begins to take all of the, the attention off of himself and to place all the attention on the Lord. And he goes on to exalt the Savior, if you would. He says in verse 14, But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted. Some of you have uh, been put in people's lives because God has blessed you greatly. Take your eyes and take their eyes off the blessing and point them to Jesus. Because when they find Jesus, they'll find, man, those blessings sure are more, more wonderful, if you would. And so point people to Christ. Use the blessings of God in your life to say, hey, that's a wonderful blessing, but if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have had it. Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for the blessings in our lives, but Lord, we ought to be just thankful for you. Are we more thankful for the blessing or the blesser? I pray that you'd help us to acknowledge you, not just what you've done for us or given us, but Lord, who you are, holy, righteous, uplifted. I pray that you would help us to be thankful for what you've done in our lives and who you are and the grace that you've given us, the love that we experience, the mercy. We go on all night just talking about how wonderful you are. And so, Lord, I pray that we would acknowledge that this evening. Guide us and direct us, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray.